Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. I'm your host, Ian, and with me, it's Michael, the wizard, the magical knower of things, and the one guy who really thought Thor was awesome. Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, he was like, it's the best movie. Why. It should have won the Golden Globe of the Oscars. My, my Golden Globes of the BAFTA Oscars are not that strong. Not strong enough to make you think that this movie was all that good. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of poopy. And Sandra, she's well, she's secretly Moon Knight, but we already know this. What? I just want blacked out. What's going on? Oh no, people are getting the dead. Uh, oh no, what's with that one song from from the sixties? Where did that come from? And I I am not Groot. I'm I'm not Groot at all. So there you are. Um well, doesn't mean we can set you on fire. Oh no. But I'm not made so How do you like a little fire, Scarecrow? <laughs> I don't want to be dead. That'll make me sad. Um, I want to make a brief announcement before we start. Um, so I have not been to a convention proper in about since January of 2020. And I've not been to Fan Expo Dallas, a show that I've covered every every year since 2017 for Circuit 42 um, since 2019. So we are going to be returning to Fan Expo Dallas for media coverage. Uh, that's going to be on June 9th through 11th. And just, just want to briefly just want to briefly mention it. There are going to be some really cool guests. So we want to make sure if you're in Texas, this is really the show to check out. Um, Rosario Dawson will be there. Hayden Christensen is going to be there. Joseph Quinn is going to be there. Uh, Christina Ricci. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, John Bernthal, and Charlie Cox, and Soniqua Martin-Green, along with um, Chevy Chase for some reason. But, you know. He needs money. Yeah. Wait, does that? that? Does he? That that means to me, that means has far too much of it. But that's not important. Yeah. Right. We need to take some of that money. Uh, in addition, there's going to be a... They, one of the things I love about Fan Expo is that they tend to have a really proportion to listening for uh, comic guests, celebrities, and cosplayers. Um, Mark Silvestri is going to be there. Um, Donnie Cates will be there. Uh, Art German is going to be there. And so two of my favorite artists, uh, Mike Choi and Clayton Crane, amongst others. So I'm really excited. This is going to be one of the, the first major convention I've covered in a number of years for Circuit 42. And... Um, Unfortunately, since Pack South is no longer is no longer around here in San Antonio, uh, even that Pack South that we covered was actually the last convention that they have here in San Antonio. But I'm really excited for this. This is my favorite convention in Texas, and um, yeah, so that's going to be happening. Uh, look for me. I will have a name badge. I'll say in, Cir- in Circuit Forty Two. Don't listen to Michael. He- he's a bad person. He said oh, so. Yeah. He said so. Since so we're talking bench. about cons, What's yeah, up? Go, uh, go. I'm gonna be. Oh, no. well, I'm gonna be at WonderCon this uh, fall, uh week of I forgot which week, week of twenty uh on March twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. Nice. You could just say say hi to me. And Michael, uh, did you say that you might be doing WonderCon as well? Most likely, yes. Awesome. But, um, yeah, so this is going to be really exciting. Uh, going to be going to be 
putting ourselves out there and all and all the conventions. Uh, but make sure to con out. I pretty much have narrowed myself down to one con, one Comic Con per year, and because Fan Expo kind of tends a lot of the stuff I really really like in one show, which does make it a little easier. There was a point where I was doing five or six or seven shows a year for press coverage. That was kind of insane. But um, with that, we're gonna move into our main subject tonight, and that is Marvel Phase Four, uh, Part Two. And well, that was personal. Yeah, this time it's personal. Uh, it's the revenge. It's the resurrection. It's the 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 things oh, right. I mean. Oh, the Empire Strikes Back. Gotcha. Yep. But um, yeah. So we're gonna start on that. And for everyone who's listened or everyone who didn't listen prior, um, when we started Marvel Phase Four, Phase One, we're like, oh, this is a lot of content. And so we decided to split it up. But I did put a brief preview to get a brief previous on circuit 42 and i'd like to pull that up for everybody so let me set this up and this will kind of give you a summary of what we wanted last time and here we go and and hot damn it. Eric! Like, oh, no I fucking so, knew you were going to do that. So, what do you guys think of this previous of our previously on Circuit Forty Two for Marvel Phase Four? I hate it. it has a weird charm to it. Yes, yes, it does. I don't sorry, worry. I was I, like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like Homer Simpson. Like, anytime I see I, something I don't like, I just have I played a movie in my head. <laughs> I don't worry. I totally won't bring it back for the third part. I don't believe you. Totally. All right. So starting off with part two as we continue, um, we begin with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is a movie I actually really, really liked, and I don't know why a lot of people seem, seem to sleep on it. And I'm going to be throwing out a bunch of hype and fan nerd shit. So with that in mind, who would like to start? Michael, Sandra? You go, Michael. Cool. Um, so as far as like why people, I, I think I could see like why people might uh, not like this one as much. I still enjoyed it overall, but I can see why some people might not have liked it as much. Like, for example, y- you got to understand this this movie was very much uh, as soon as people started to hear that uh, Scarlet Witch was going to be in it. They were very excited. Um, the, the, the team up between Scar the Witch and Doctor Strange is something that always creates a lot of fireworks uh, in, in the comics. And it's something that we haven't really seen a whole lot for the movies yet. So people were really, really interested to see how they were going to react. So and especially after the events of, of WandaVision, which was really like the launch of, uh, you know, the disney's whole you know disney plus like mcu there there was that was our our feed that was our mcu iv during the pandemic so coming out of that i think a lot of people were really not liking the fact that scarlet witch was the villain in this 
So I could see that kind of coloring uh, some of the negative reception to it. It was definitely something that uh, is a little bit hard to swallow, even for somebody who is familiar with the dark turns that she takes in the comics. It's a little bit rough to see her uh, embracing that dark side as as thoroughly as she does, because she 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 kills a lot of people <laughs> in this movie. Oh yeah, and, in the most creative way. And these are just the people that we that we know of. I mean, when you think about it, like, because uh, essentially the movie sets up. She's trying to chase down uh, America Chavez, who is somebody who can travel the multiverse. And she's trying to take America Chavez's abilities for herself so that way she can uh, reunite with her, you know, theoretical multiverse children that we saw from WandaVision. So she's doing pretty much everything possible and, you know, running through so many different alternate dimension versions of like, you know, the Avengers and Illuminati and, you know, who, who knows who else in order to get this girl. And she's just murdering the shit out of everybody. And she's probably got to have at least, you know, a triple digit body count in this pursuit. So I can see why a lot of people might've, you know, uh, not appreciated the fact that she just went full, you know, Darth Vader in this. Uh, is certainly entertaining to see. Um, it is definitely uh, also very interesting to see like all the, the different cameos. We got so many cool little uh, you know cameos and, and homages in this. We got to see uh, you know Black Bolt to the Inhumans and the Illuminati. We got to see Charles Xavier show up, which was huge. We got to see the long-awaited uh, John Krasinski playing Mr. Fantastic um, is it was pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, we got to see Captain Carter. Haley Atwell came back for that. So there's a lot of cool like fan service type things that came up in the movie. Uh, a, a lot of sweet like little references. I think Benedict Cumberbatch plays like four or five different versions of Doctor Strange in this. So it was it was very entertaining, but I I can see you know maybe like I I I think a lot of people were really uh, invested in Wanda's journey, and to see her make that villainous turn, I think that was probably like the biggest source of people not liking the movie as much as you know we might have liked it. Um, but with you know with the multiverse and you know with uh just the nature of comic books and superheroes uh, even though it appears that she might have met her demise in this movie a self-inflicted one i don't think we've seen the last of her um but i i think that that's probably why ian i think i think that's why people weren't responding to it as well as as you might have is um they just res they they resonated so much with with wanda's journey and seeing her go through the grief and wandavision and we were just, I think a lot of people were hoping that she was going to get that happy ending, and she just did not. And that's just kind of the tragedy of her character. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, what, about, what about you, Sandra? Um, I understand the horror elements of it. I mean, I just walked away with, like, it's okay. And I'm just, I think the whole thing that colored my opinion is the fan service. It feels like the fans, the whole fandom and culture nowadays, you're just, people are like, we want this guy to be so-and-so, and this come back. 
okay. Marvel is saying, okay, you got yourself here. You got your bones there. Are you happy now? No, we're not happy about it. We want this guy. We want more. We want this one. I get that, but at the same time, I'm like, there are certain actors or certain performers who fit a role so well that we know that this is a multiverse. We know we can pull people from different worlds. And um, it kind of ties into one of the issues I've had with um, with the last couple X-Men movies on the Fox side. Because you had some actors who were perfectly, almost perfectly cast for roles like Alexandra Ship, uh, the actress who played Storm. In the in the recent X Men movies, uh, Anya Taylor Joy in New Mutants, and then um, what was it? Um, I can't remember his name now. In uh, Ty Sheridan, he actually played Cyclops, and so you mm-hmm. have these people who are actually very well cast. Oh, and but more so, and I can't believe I forgot Cody Smith McPhee as Nightcrawler. So you have these people who are extremely well cast, and in my opinion actually made up for a lot of the casting that we had previously in that franchise. And then knowing that they literally put them in two movies and the last thing they're going to do is like this piece of crap, Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and this is a perfect example of why I, I love the idea of them taking advantage of the multiverse, similar to the Spider-Man movies. Cause it's like, no, we can pull these people in. We don't have to recast them because they, it's not, it's not about that. It's just like, you know, people want John Krasinski to be, um, Mr. Fantastic, and everyone is. Well, who would you cast as Mr. Fantastic? I don't know. It's just, I just always always wanted an unknown. I get that. Um, I don't, I don't know. It feels like he his he has he's going to a different path. Yeah, I think if we had a different high-profile Fantastic Four actor that we introduce um, in, in there, they, I could see him being the lesser-known actor. Um, the funny thing is, I know a lot of people are like, oh, who's the guy who played Black Bolt and all they knew him from was in Humans? And I'm like, no, nah, Anson, now it's a building actor. I mean, he's in, he's the lead in Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. Like, he is, he, along with his hair, have just become increasingly more <laughs> visible. Anson Mount, where I heard that? Anson Mount is the manliest man in right now in movies and television. That's all I'm going to say. If you look him up, you'll but... understand. Damn. What, but, um, what, oh, okay. He yeah, this from dude... a long way, he's gone a long way from Crossroads with Britney Spears. Yeah, this dude's a, this dude's a boss. <laughs> I was like, you heard, I heard that name before. Oh, Crossroads. Yeah, not, not the movie I identify him with. No, no, no. It's just like, you know, I just remember this really... Vintage, uh, well, nowadays it's vintage. Uh, this, this is bad. <laughs> um, nostalgic chick, uh, episode, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, um, okay. yeah, I, I, I think I would cast him. I, 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 it was really eluding me for a second. Sorry, Ian. I was going to say, I think he fits it so well. I, if I were to, like, fan cast, I think he could pull off, like, Saint of Killers from Preacher. Oh, really totally. Bad. Yeah, it's like, is, here, is there a really badass character who seems like he could borderline be psychotic, but you kind of root for him? All right, cast this dude. But um, And I, I just remember the Twitterverse, and yeah, Twitter can be a, a, a harsh mistress, where they want to say, oh, cast 
Wolverine. Yeah. Yes. Give us a break from Spider-Man. Wolverine. Please, but, people. I was like, okay. Want this guy, but wait one more? Okay. Well, wait a while. Yeah. Anyway, um He's coming. Yeah. It's just Wait. That was the best part of the Dark Phoenix. And first class. It was just, oh wait. Oh wait, Wolverine was in first class, but he was just in there enough to be tolerable. Yeah. It's it's yeah. kind of crazy uh to think that uh even with everything that we did get in this movie, there still were people who were very much who who said that they were unfulfilled. And that I think we kind of got into it last time that we were talking, but this really gets into the whole um, arena of like, hey, did did this stroke my fan service hard enough? I think that's what it is. I think that's yeah. it is. <laughs> like. I well, think that's, that's what it is. they want. That they want to hit it where it, like that went everything. Everything they want, everything, everything, want everywhere, now. all at once. Womp womp. Like I'm, like I, like I said, I'm, I'm the dumbass who goes into the comment sections and like every fucking comment section. Don't do that. Um, about like an MCU. Don't go movie to Twitter either. Says that oh, it's always the same shit. It's like oh, the MCU died with Tony Stark, or it's like it's it fell off. Oh well, yeah, because those brown people and women, and that scares them. The same no. shit. Okay, it's not like it, it's not. He's Tony Stark's death is not the Fonzie dumping over the shark. You know, I'd be like, hey guys, don't worry, he's gonna be coming back in Ironheart. It's gonna be great. You'll love it. Yeah, but meanwhile, I, all the all the dupe bros is like, you know, it's still good. It's still good. He's coming back, right? Right. Well, he will, but he's going to be an artificial voice in Ironheart suit. He'll be okay, guys. It's all right. He'll be back. You're saying, Michael? Sorry to interrupt. No, I just no, I just got like distracted for a second, thinking about how much more complaining we're going to hear when Ironheart comes out. But that's a whole uh, other thing. That's a, um, another. That's another dragon. That's another phase altogether. No, but like there was so much shit that happened in in this movie, you know, oh, so many it. cool fucking moments. Um, and not to mention, um, one thing that we haven't really touched on yet. This was like the return of Sam Raimi to superhero. Yes, movies. yes, and we get all of that. Sam, and that's Raimi. the one thing I like is the direction, the the, the style of this movie it's is just it's so fantastic. dark and pretty at the same time. Dude, fucking zombie Doctor Strange is one of the coolest and things that, ever. Oh yeah. That was pretty badass. I, I don't think I've seen a cosplay of him yet, and I think if nobody ever if it nobody does it, I think I, I would like to do that at some point, but that's like way, way down the line. It just yeah. looks so cool. And it does it's have that time. uh that that Sam Raimi, like that touch of cheese to it, but it still very much fits. Um as somebody who was really into the uh, Ultimates comics, you know, the Ultimates with, uh, you know, Black Panther and Captain Marvel, Blue Marvel, all those good guys. Um, I was really excited for America Chavez to be introduced to the MCU. They did a good job with her, even though, like, with some of the other uh, Marvel ca- characters, they have to kind of, like, tone down her power level because she's, like, an extra badass <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the comic books. So they couldn't make they her... They punch through space and time. Basically, Seriously, yeah. I, I think it's kind of awesome. goes to also think of the fact that 
Like, I think there's a reason why they powered her down because she's a kid. So I remember the actress when she was in the Babysitters Club. She was she was adorable. I by the way, I love the fact that like America Chavez and her back and her her brief backstory. It was basically like, hey, all the people complaining about Iron Man dead. This is pr- we don't give a shit about you at all. And if you don't like what we're doing, go watch something else. Let's go watch the Snyder Cut again. I'm a Snyder guy, and I'm like, just the people. I who heard the about. voice is pretty good. <laughs> Wait, the voice of what? The boys. Oh yeah, the boys is fantastic. But um, the funny thing is, all these people, all these fucking dude bros who complain about the MCU are like, the boys is so much better. It's like the boys is about you, and it's calling the loser you. Loser is you. <laughs> yeah. Look at this mirror. See this mirror? That's you. <laughs> it's like see this fucked up like fucking Aryan it's... fucker. That's you. <laughs> it's very much like the the Rick and Morty of you know comic book TV shows. I'm surprised there's not many like John Walker stands. Oh well, yeah, because <laughs> he was he was just kind of uh, too too dorky and too much of a loser. I guess he, he was them. Oh, I guess. He, he's he's all the people complaining about this shit. I love it. That's I not think that's what just it like is. He's just too dorky. Like I just follow orders. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? I have an orders hat. <laughs> Oh god! But you seriously, I was, high. I was really mad about the death of Captain Carter. That was the one thing that really did upset me, and not just because I have had a crush on Haley Atwell since the first Captain America movie. Shut up! I understand why you traveled back in time. See if you, you you're you're smart, dude. Yeah, but um, um, yeah, that was kind of like upsetting to see, especially after she got uh after she got spotlighted, um, with with what if. Uh, she's making more of an impact in the comics now, even. So people really like the character, obviously. It's just that... Oh, yeah. Even with, like, Mr. Fantastic, who got Swiss cheesed, that was... They were just... They were just showing how... string cheese? Basically. Womp womp. Uh, Wanda just fucked everybody up. Um, Not, like... And Black Bolt. Black Bolt got done dirty, really really bad i tell you that's the best part is that her creative deaths and i hope um uh, maybe um what what i really would hope to see is maybe something like in what if where you pick up in that universe where wanda just like rampage the illuminati and maybe they're like trying to like track her down maybe uh sue storm is like leading some kind of you know, revenge story against Scarlet Witch. I think that would be really cool. There's just so many possibilities with the multiverse now. I loved seeing uh, Lashana Lynch come back as um, Captain Marvel. That was that was for me one of the best parts. And once again, sad because it's like here's another character death. But um, oh, okay, that, that makes me sad. Like yeah. her. But the good thing is between No Time to Die and uh, The Woman King and whatever the roles comes her way, I think she's fine. I, I think we don't have to worry at all about Lashana, about Lashana Lynch. Yeah, she was so good in The Woman King. Yeah. I just Which, need to watch it. It was criminal. did not get nominated, by the I way. <clears throat> well, <sighs> nah, man, we needed Top Gun and Avatar to get nominated. Well, yeah, because I was like, wait, white people. Wait, Avatar got nominated? 
Yeah. Says the person who's keeping up to date with the Oscars. <laughs> well, don't worry, man, because for some reason, the fucking Marilyn Monroe movie got a Best Actress nomination. Like, oh, I know. I don't know. I feel like it's a. This is going on a tangent, but it feels like it's a pity nomination. Yeah, but hasn't she been nominated before? Didn't she, didn't she get nominated for a Razzie for the same thing? No, I, was, I, I thought. She, I don't know. I'm I'm looking it up right now. But anyway, yeah, I, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's interesting because it's a very big movie. Like there's a lot happening. Yeah. And you have to like with Ant-Man, you have to have done your research. You have to watch WandaVision. And the funny thing is people talk about there was all these people talking about Black Panther, not Black Panther, Ant-Man being the first thing that really incorporated story elements and characters from um, from the um, Disney Plus Marvel, but this one really did it first. But the it's it's odd because it's a one hand and the other because you got all these really big ideas, but there's so much. There's still even with that so much um potential for more, and I think with this movie, it should have been longer. Like I really like this movie. But this movie could have been at least two and a half hours. I mean, it's two hours and six uh, minutes, and there's there was it, it felt like there could have for been for a Marvel more. movie. That's nothing. I know for a movie that's nothing. I mean, the fact that that asshat Michael Bay had five fucking Transformers movies that were two and a half hours, three hours each, and that is some undeserved screen time right there. Yeah, <laughs> I w- I should have watched. Man, Bumblebee is amazing. Oh fucking yes, it is. Bumblebee is awesome, and that's why I'm looking forward to Beast Wars. Beast Wars, yeah. It's like, okay. hey, maybe we should an actual director instead of Michael Bay. Yes, keep doing this. <laughs> well, okay. Back to Doctor Strange. I like the how the children are very like annoying, but I like it in the but as a deep nerd, that's like, okay, that's what children do. Yep. They make songs. <laughs> Feel- um and I think maybe we're gonna have to like brace ourselves for those for uh, Billy and Tommy getting recast. Uh, Even though, I, I like, happen. Uh, by the time, like, the next Marvel Young Avengers thing will be there, they'll be of age. That's the I, whole, like, Mishigas about the, the Cassie thing. See, I kind of, I kind of hope that they keep them on, that they don't necessarily have to recast them. Because, um, was it Julian Hillard, uh, the actor who plays Billy? He's uh-huh. I I don't know as much about Jack Klein, but Julian Hillard's a really good actor. If you've seen um, Penny Dreadful, he was in Penny Dreadful, the City of Angels miniseries, but he was also uh, in The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. He was uh, the young version of Luke, and he's a fantastic good actor. Was, and he, you think like you think like you know they cast like really good child actors, hoping they'll like blossom into really good teen actors or adult actors, so and so and so on. Yeah, because if you saw color color out of space, the uh, the the um, Nicholas Cage one, he plays his son in there, and he's really good in that too. And I'm like, yes, keep doing this. Don't don't replace the kid. I mean, the other kid, I'm like, oh, it's the kid from Skyscraper. But you know what? Rock on. But they're both really good, and it would be kind of disappointing if we just, like you said, if they just like just recast them, even though they would actually be of age for the parts of the time. I feel like they will. I don't know. 
I I just got this uh, Spidey sense feeling. Like I honestly, I would also like not even be surprised if they recast the guy that they got for uh for for Patriot and Falcon Winter Soldier too. Yeah, I think I think that one make okay when you say it like that, that does make sense because the the role of that that looks like a like a blink and you miss it moment. Yeah, yeah. did they already reca- recast the 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 one who plays a uh, Billy? Cassie? Um, Billy, no, but they recast Cassie like three times. <laughs> okay, because I was thinking like there's this one guy, there's this one dude from that could be Wicked for, for the new Agatha Agatha series. Oh, I haven't been paying attention because he kind of he has a. He kind of looks like Wicked. Like, oh god, it's it's time, but it makes sense. We're 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 uh we're bracing ourselves for this. But yeah, you're right. We are we are we should embrace the change, the recasting, because the first recast. Oh, let's not forget the first recasting of the MCU. Next Mr. time, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. <laughs> But it's only um, for the that was for the better. I mean, yeah, I, I hope that they don't, but like, like, yeah, I think we should just kind of mentally prepare ourselves for that happening. Hey, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I just wanted to mention one thing. When I was thinking about uh, the potential for a Young Avengers movie, I actually know what they should do for Iron Lad. I want to get your take on this. What's up? Because Iron Lad is with the one Kane variant who didn't look anything like Kane, like at all, until he was actually revealed. I think they need to get Ty Simpkins back. Ty Simpkins was the actor. He was the um, he was Harley. He was a kid in Iron Man three. He popped up in Endgame. He's been in a lot of movies, and I th- he was recent most recently in The Whale. And I think if anything, they should bring him in as Iron Lad for for the Young Avengers team. Hmm. That's what, yeah. People are just like setting, Har like Harley. That's his name. Yeah. Um, Be like the 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 son of Tony's, like the pseudo son of Tony Stark. Yeah, because I feel though, like when he popped up in Endgame, I'm like, okay, you guys are thinking about something here. Also, that kid is really tall. That was my other yeah. takeaway when I watched him. Like, oh no! Really oh kid? no! He dwarfed. He dwarfed us. He dwarfed Spider Man. Yep. That's why he was standing by himself. Uh, I can you just move uh a little bit further? You're kind of dwarfing uh Tom. I'm it's sure like, he's used to that with Zendaya, so it's fine. Uh, he's like five eleven. Se- but, that but that's but that's sexy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. So, um, just don't don't let him stand next to uh Andrew Garfield. It looks like a weird Big Brother situation. Hey, I need to step away for just one minute. Uh, if you guys want to wrap. Doctor Strange and move into Miss Marvel. I'll be jumping okay. back on in just a minute. Right. So let's see. Any good takeaways for Doctor Strange? Well, I really hope, like I said, that they they find a way to you know get back into it and explore some, pick up some of the pieces from you know, the carnage that that Wanda left behind. And she was trying to track down Miss Marvel, or sorry, try to track down uh, America Chavez. But um, you know, other than that, I thought it was you know a fairly solid movie. I didn't think it 
you know, maybe had as much to say as the original Doctor Strange, because, you know, with the first Doctor Strange, she was kind of trying to find out who he was um, as a hero. And in this movie, he was, I guess, trying to find ways not to compromise himself. And he kind of ended up doing it, but there seemingly weren't a whole lot of consequences for it. Uh, the the end of the movie does reference that it starts to I think this the first reference to incursions happens in Loki and here they actually do uh, make a reference to it saying that you know all of uh, Doctor Strange is tinkering with the multiverse and his um, his dream walking and his corpse everything kind of like hurt the the membrane between the universes and he's causing an incursion and we do get an appearance of of Clea, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, played by Charlize Theron, and in a kind of terrible CGI stinger. But uh, there, there, Ugh, other than that, one, which which part of the CGI? I mean, there there was some uh, shifty CGI for the for the eye, um, <laughs> but Ugh, which which kind of sucks because. You know, for the most part, the, the CGI in the movie was fairly solid. Um, you can tell, like, which one they, they, yeah. they like, didn't, you can tell which part they didn't get enough sleep. It's, it's weird, though. Like, I feel like that, that'd be a really tough thing to, you know, kind of pull off in any kind of CG situation. I thought uh, maybe they could have worked something out with, you know, some kind of combination and prosthetic and, and CG. It, Definitely didn't look as good as it should have. Definitely not good enough for them to do it over and over again. <laughs> They're just like, uh, yeah, let's just let's, let's make them do that thing again. And the the stingers were also kind of weird in the way that they arranged them because, you know, at the end of the movie, he freaks out and he's got his third eye. And then this, this other stinger, he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of I've, I've just got this thing now. And it's it's, it's fine. I'm continuing my walk five minutes five minutes later oh okay i'm i'm great i'm used to it anyway he's fine but he's um fine. the that that is the the whole idea of the incursions is pretty huge uh that that's something that they're really trying to avoid that's something that really screwed things up a lot in the comics and caused all sorts of craziness that ended up uh, uh evolving into secret wars and that is something that we, we definitely know is happening. There's going to be a Secret Wars movie. So that's something that's that's got to tie into it somehow. So there, there's there's some setup for it. And, you know, overall, I liked it. But I think it just didn't have as much to say about Doctor Strange. I didn't like it as, as much as the first one. But still, overall, I did. I did like it. I did enjoy it. I feel like the whole thing with Wanda should be like her issues should be more prolonged so it's it doesn't feel like it should be go it should be going on with her issue should go on for several movies so we can understand let it simmer a bit and then when it explodes like oh my goodness we saw it coming but we understand what's going on yeah we we did miss that whole part you know in, in between where she was kind of getting corrupted by the dark hole we we missed that bit um, like very, very pretty much like her. And I want to say like Thor are the ones who kind of just keep on, you know, losing the people and, and losing the things that they value in their life. 
So it is kind of unfortunate to see Wanda get taken in that direction, but hopefully it's not the last that we've seen of her. And um, I'm hoping she comes back. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's extremely powerful. She's died, I think at least two or three times in the comics already. And she, she gets better. Um, yeah, com- yeah, there's a, com- there's a comic, there's, there's an offending comic about her. So that's good. Yeah, I think, I think she will come back. So, um, anything else to say about, uh, Doctor Strange or should we move on to Miss Marvel? Uh, I think Miss Marvel. I like, I like Miss Marvel. Do you, do you want to start us off on Miss Marvel or do you want me to do it? I think you do it. Well, things are lucky- like things are very fuzzy in my head. Well, lucky for you, I did just rewatch uh, the series and I did uh, reread the first arc of the comic. It, I I try to do that with the you know with the new series that come out, especially for some of the characters that you know even they might be on the more let's say like infamous side like uh, Miss Marvel, because she was introduced I want to say like about like two thousand you know in the early two thousand tens. So I think it was like 2014 where she was introduced. Um, there, there was a lot of uh, fanfare about her introduction. It was, it was a pretty big deal because uh, she's you know a Muslim superhero. And we don't really have a whole lot of those. And she's not only a Muslim superhero, she's a Muslim superhero in a post 9-11 world. Oh, so yeah. As I was reading the comic, the um, th- there are a lot of, you know, Kind of like uh, references to some of the, you know, the the subtle racism that, uh, you know, Muslim Americans encounter. Um, the idea and like, the I, and the ones about like, including Muslim culture, like some of it, some of it is like a choice. Yeah, and they, you know, they really did a good job in in the comic book of, of showing, you know, how she encounters that sort of stuff, but. One thing that we did learn early on when they announced the series was how different she was going to be from her comic book counterpart. And one of the really huge deviations they made was not making her an inhuman. Because in the comic books, she's kind of like out doing like teenage shenanigan stuff when she gets uh, overtaken by the, you know, Terrigen bomb that I think, I can't remember who unleashed it in the comic books, but uh, if anybody isn't aware, the Terrigen Mist is something that the Inhumans, you know, uh, introduce their people to in order for them to go through a transformation that ultimately gives them their powers. And they go through this whole thing where they kind of cocoon up and then they come out, you know, as their Inhuman self with their powers. And this is something um, I believe that happened in the comic books when uh, somebody was trying to essentially increase the the inhuman population by any means necessary so they just unleashed a huge terrigen mist bomb can't remember if it was like the whole world or just like um the whole country or something but anyway miss miss marvel kamala khan was one of the people who was affected by it and in the comic book she has a pretty different power set too she's got uh shape-shifting she you know can uh change into you know, diff- different sizes. Uh, she can, you know, shrink. She can grow. Um, uh-huh. And in the in the show, they really made her more of like a almost like a Green Lantern type of uh, type type of hero with with her power set. So she's and they they changed up her origins. You know, kind of mix it up a little bit. They said that she was essentially you know what we refer to as like a djinn. 
and she gets her wow. powers from something like an inner light called like the North. yeah like they they uh they gave her the the nickname nightlight yeah she does, <laughs> does hard light stuff and that wasn't is, really like a terrible uh you know name i guess but uh, she she wasn't really a fan of it. But she you know just but like the the comic, she is really like a huge like uh, Captain Marvel fan. Um, in in the, and another thing that was kind of interesting in the show as she gets introduced is you start to see a little bit more of, of how people are familiar they are they are with like the Avengers and the events of of Endgame, and you know how they dealt with the whole Thanos attack. Um, one thing that they really did a good job with the series, even though that they did deviate in terms of the power set is the the casting was really great i think they did a really good job of finding like the perfect person for miss marvel and i i definitely wouldn't change that as far as i, I was kind of talking about this a little bit uh, with ian before we started you know recording is that um I, I think that some of the the action on the show is is a little bit clunky um which which is kind of forgivable I because think it's kind of like fine because considering yeah. like these this is this is this is not like a highly trained assassin or a soldier this is just a kid exactly it's a kid who's just learning and yeah. um we're going to see more of them as they go on we're definitely going to see more in the marvels i mean i, I mean like if you have like if if they're going to bring if they're going to bring like Spider Gwen into the MCU. Hopefully, hey. her fighting style is is clunky. Is very because she doesn't know how to fight. She doesn't know how to fight. She knows how to like, you know, throw a punch or she can mimic like what she saw in like martial arts movies. But she's not. Tr- she doesn't have the experience like her uh, much older counterparts. Yeah, I think like it when when I say. I want to make sure, I, uh, you know, I'm clear when when I say like clunky, I'm talking about more not not so much like her ability, but more so like how it's like shot. Um, oh, and how it's, like, like a choreograph perspective. Okay. Yeah, and I thought that 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 part was like a little bit like too. Well, that, that's the thing. So, like I was talking about like with Ian a, a little bit earlier. The thing is, like when you look at the comic, the comic doesn't whole have a whole lot of action in it, and they really dialed up the action for the show and you know i can kind of see you know from you know, from a perspective you wanting to keep the the audience's attention like sure you want to do that you want to have a couple of action scenes like in each each episode but really the the action parts weren't the strongest you know aspect of the show and definitely weren't the strongest aspect of, of the comic so I, I think maybe it was a little bit of a mistake they have to... a quote marvel had a quota <laughs> Yeah, I get I get that, but like you have to have this fight scene per episode and blah. This uh, is we have to do per- something. Kevin is on our ass. <laughs> I'm. I do want to touch on one thing real quick, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording. I honestly thought the first two episodes were kind of clunky. Yeah. Um, because it's like there's so, and the weird thing is like somebody can say, "Oh, well, it's because of exposition." And I'm like, no, the whole show. Like a huge chunk of the history of her and her family. But I don't yeah. know what it oh, is yeah. about the first two episodes. They just fell off. And then the third it feels episode. Like, like in, after the first, it feels like after the first two episodes, you can, like, 
there's with the first two episodes there's less stakes and afterwards like oh my goodness everything the stakes are higher things are like why am i crying over this backstory why well like generally never know about oh sorry like like oh my goodness as someone who has like um has a has a classroom mostly of like of people from the the south asian areas you could i didn't know anything about partition i don't know about the history of it and even as even after walking Gandhi, I know like it came out one year and after the other. Yeah, wow, um, this is this is this is deep. No, that's what I love about the show, um, because the show itself is interesting, but the actual real life history of the show is more so. And I kind of like the fact that we have a uh, this is. This is honestly the first MCU show or movie I could think of that really pulls real history and is like, no, we need to look at things that are important. And because, yes, this is Captain not Mar- like, this is, yeah, this is not like high in the sky. Like, everyone gets along with everyone. Yeah, there's no metaphor here. Um, it's not just the basic backdrop, like the World War, World War II and Captain America. It's like, this is, this is real shit, yeah. people. Read a book. Hey, yeah, what are you talking about? This is a group full of of people. This is a little army group full of Asians, African Americans, and different backgrounds. We all get along. Yay! Oh, yay! Go team! Team America, World Police. <laughs> oh God! I'm oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Uh um, what? Well, speaking of. Uh, like there, there are definitely a lot of good things uh, about about the series. Like we were talking about, like the, the casting was great. Um, the the interactions between you know Kamala and her family, really well done. Um, w- one of the, the the gripes that we got into, or rather one of you know kind of my gripes uh, for for the the last episode when we were talking about how like Taskmaster needed like some you know good guy goons to beat up on. Well, it really seems like they they've settled on uh, they firmly settled on damage control as to be you know the you know good guy like shield stand in government assholes really, and they uh, kind of take uh, you know center stage as the go to government agency that everybody's trying to get past. Um, they showed up in in No Way Home. They they take a big role here, but they also kind of like take the role of also being like the face of of the government. You know, kind of. You know, maybe like you know, keeping a too close of an eye on uh, on the community centers and, and the mosques and uh, Muslim Americans in general. So I really miss Shield. Yeah, because yeah. it's you know Colson and shit. But um, you know, I think they did a they did a good job with that. But um, I I really wasn't feeling uh like the like the pacing of like some of the the episodes where they started to deal with you know the the. They they really did like a really quick turnaround with like introducing the the other like Jin characters the quote unquote Jin to all of a sudden being like oh yeah these are the, these are the, going to be the bad guys now and it was so kind of like obvious that it was a little bit grown worthy. Um, the the good news is it does take us into you know like what Ian was talking about letting us delve into you know the history uh, of the partition and letting us you know kind of. You, you wouldn't really expect it, but considering like Miss Marvel, especially in the comic book, 
makes a lot of uh, makes a big deal about being, you know, you know, kind of like a Jersey City's like only real, you know, superhero. And she's very like grounded. And she actually not everything um, happens in NYC. Yeah. And she goes to uh, Karachi, which she wouldn't really expect. Uh, but that was a, a nice touch. Uh, we got to see, you know, Red Dagger, who is a thing. And I think, uh, let's see, he's played by uh, Ramus Knight, who is also in uh, Into the Badlands. So that was kind of yeah. cool to see. Um, so I, I really, you know, I wasn't as fan. I wasn't really a fan of like the the action pieces as much. Um, but I, I do appreciate the the joy that the lead brought to the the character. I do like yeah, the, the interactions with their family. Go ahead. Um, say what you will about the first two episodes, but I like about what okay. They uh, but the good thing about it is that how come. Kamala Khan is a fangirl. And also, not only that, but she's also, I want to say, first generation, second generation uh, Pakistani. Because as someone who is also second generation, second generation, I, or first generation, I forgot what, which one. But as a children of immigrants, and also a fan girl trying to under trying to tell my parents under to understand what why I like the things I like. It, just, it hits home, especially especially when like in you know in a country where there's such a, there's no such thing as fandoms. All it, all they have is a uh, is dramas. Yeah, it's. So it speaks to me. Yeah, I can. I I can definitely see that, and then and yeah, and if anyone was going to relate to the show in that aspect, it definitely would be you. Yeah. Um, I trying to convince my parents to like, come on, I want to go. I want to. I want to go to Venus Candice Comic Con. Can I go? Can I go? Oh, I remember that. I, I I I just the amount of effort and homework that went into coming to coming to the con, but it was totally worth it. And look and look what they've created this giant small nerd. <laughs> now, and next thing you know, I'll be at WonderCon. So I want to touch on that. I want I want to tie into that a little bit because there's a group of people on the internet. They're called fucking racists and uh, misogynists. They like to call themselves um, comics Ooh, and other things, and they tend these are tend to be the people who try to say the representation doesn't matter, and most of them are are cis white males, and I know I'm I know I am too, and I understand where somebody will come from, and somebody might complain and say, oh well, you know you're trying to speak for other people, and I'm like, well, fuck, fuck you, fuck 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 that bullshit, because they're one of our one of our neighbor family one of our fa- the families in our neighborhood, uh, they're they're a little girl. She is, um, she was a foster. Um, she is, she is black. Her family is white, and they, and one of the things I love about them is they allowed her they allowed her to embrace those aspects of her cultures. Like her hair, is she has like full braids in her hair. She's a really cool little kid, and um, one of, but the thing is she's very sensitive to violence because a lot of the things that apparently. I don't want to go into too much here, but apparently things that occurred to her before she was adopted. And 
I wanted to be able to get her into something superhero without, you know, kind of setting off those emotional triggers, not having something that wasn't too intense. Because even the stuff in the MCU, she can't necessarily watch. And I was actually going to recommend Miss Marvel to her family because of the fact that it is a little bit more toned down. And there's and while there is some content in there, it's not like she's going to be sitting down and watching something like Moon Knight. But um, so I loaned them the DVDs for X-Men, the animated series, and her dad was a big fan of them. So he's actually more excited than than um, than she is. And yeah. we were talking, we were talking, she asked, she was asking me questions about it. And I told her, yeah, Storm actually loses her powers at one point in the comics. And while, lo- while she loses her powers, she becomes the leader of the X-Men. And for her, this was like the coolest thing ever. But one of the things that was interesting, I was wearing a Storm shirt while we were talking, and she said, she said, I don't understand because Storm undershirt is black. And it was because of the way that they color the anim- because the animation colors and the paints that they had to use on cartoons back then, she didn't read that Storm was actually black. Uh, because of the way that they because the way they drew her and colored her in the animated series. Um, the thing that though that she stood out to her was Jubilee. She asked about Jubilee and she said, Yeah, I like her. She's a foster. Aww. And because think about it, how many they even now, how many foster kids adopted characters outside of like um outside of uh, Shazam do you see? Not much. And so the fact that the thing that both of them are from like books. Yeah, so leave the them alone, that, Batman. But the fact that she was able to watch a cartoon, a cartoon for kids, and the main character, really the point of view character in the series, is a foster kid. As a foster kid, whose parents, who in the animated series at least, the parents are white and she's Asian, and she didn't realize she was Asian. When I told her that, that made her even more interested in the character. And I didn't so, know she was Asian Asian until I until I saw until I read the comics and I re- and it's read it's like. Ethnicity, Chinese, like I'm Chinese, and her last name is Lee. It's not just a a superhero thing. <laughs> uh, so just um, but and so yeah, like I said, you can and you can definitely relate to this. But imagine also being a foster kid whose parents are white and seeing this character, and then finding out that they are also non-white that they are a POC. And so for anyone who doesn't say that representation doesn't matter. Anyone says that shit? Representation matters. This is a perfect example. We have multiple examples of it right here. So fuck you if you think that's true. If you think representation representation doesn't matter, fuck you. And that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, it really it really matters. Yeah. On all races and and what have races, nationalities, sexuality, gender, gender identity. identity, all. I think you know where I stand on that. So Michael hates everyone that's not Michael. I think you're I think you might be trying to catch up to me in terms of like telling people like that fuck you on here. So Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you add that once you tally. But the the cool thing about this actually, um when you talk about uh people who have to, you know, straddle the the two different types of uh, identities, two different types of uh, cultural identities. You do have um, maybe like even even more of a uh, 
a representation of that in the show and in the comic book is uh, the character Nakia, who I, I believe in the in the comic she's uh, I think she's like half white and half Pakistani, and so she is kind of like adopting more of like her uh, Muslim beliefs, and it's kind of like throwing her family for a little bit of a loop, and that you do get to see that a little bit in the show, so. I'm glad that they they brought that character in. Um, when I was like uh, reading the comic book, I did notice that they give, uh, say, like Bruno, a more of a, a like beefed up like guy in the chair role. Like he yeah. like it in the I think in the in the comic book he was just kind of doing like some some very like basic stuff, and then here he is like he's just a friend. He's he's like reading her DNA and shit by the time the show is over and like inventing like new technologies. Um, and really, he is the one who's kind of like making like bombs and shit in the school. So I think, yeah, hey, this is the but downside. He's of white, racial so profile. Get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry because I'll keep. We're not going to talk about on the... that one. That one. Uh, that one P- POC student who was. Who made a clock and thought it was a bomb? Yeah, but but don't worry. If you're white, they'll just put a vest on you and keep you safe. I know, or just say you're you're mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I, jumping jumping forward, I like the fact that Camilla just recruited Bruno and this and the other white person. I think her. Hold on, let me see. The name is Zoe or something. Who's yeah. like a pseudo influencer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she was definitely. She was funny as shit, though. I mean, I like how she's not like a mean girl. She's just like, "Hey, like and subscribe." So here's here's the prize I'm gonna promote. Yeah, I think that was a good move, like to not make her that way. I, I I'm not as far into the comic to see if that's how she ends up being, but um, it, I did like the fact that it kind of does touch upon the fact that. Because like for like the first episode, Kamala goes to AvengerCon, uh-huh. and it was kind of neat to see like how those cons. Speaking of you know earlier how we were talking about we're gonna go to these different cons exist in the actual MCU, and to Kamala's surprise, like Zoe is there, and she's kind of like a geek too, and it kind of uh, shows like a parallel to how things are today, where you, even the popular kids are like all into the geek shit that some of us got. You know, yeah, but like every like, like, like every like very conventionally attractive cosplayer, she's going for like a more campier version of the campier version of the Captain Marvel. Although that one is like okay, I even though okay, okay, in my defense, that's actually a nod to this the classic Miss Marvel costume. Yeah, with the with the unitard and the. Yeah. Or the bathing suit. I don't know what, what they call it. I've always, I've always liked their costume. Uh, here, here's, here's, here's the thing that I find funny. Like, I remember a lot of people in like the past couple of years, like the costume that a lot of people were focusing on when they were criticizing uh, sexualized character designs in comics, they kept talking about the Miss Marvel design for the 90s and early 2000s. And like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And I'm like, did you see the first costume? That was basically like a kind of a, a bathing suit with a big old hole in the stomach. 
That okay, I better check this out. So this is Ke this Marvel first costume, right? Yeah. Okay, gotta look this up. Okay, people are gonna defend like, but she's wearing long sleeves, but you can see her belly. Yeah, because and the funny thing is, if you look at the costume from the nineties, early two thousands, like eighties, nineties, two thousands, with the uh, with a yellow with a little yellow lightning bolt style. That uh -huh. actually covers a lot more than the uh, original costume. <laughs> that could be like a swimsuit, in my opinion. Yeah, a really good swimsuit. Yeah, but it's it's kind of it's not as ridiculous as that uh, that Invisible Woman, the Fantastic, the the four cleavage one. That one oh yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Oh yeah, that was a choice. Oh, that, God. And that's what you went crazy. Because every woman apparently in the 80s and 90s in comics has to go crazy at one point or another. So speaking, of, so speaking of which, Wanda. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Wanda. Oh, my goodness. We could imagine like a parody of that one scene and Ralph breaks the internet. Like, have you been crazy before? <laughs> have you been bridged? <laughs> oh, um, real quick. Something regarding Miss Marvel. And the thing that really uh -huh. does upset me about how sloppy uh, the whole Warner Brothers Discovery thing was. So the direct two of the head directors of Miss Marvel were going to be writing, we're going to be directing the Batgirl movie that got canceled. Oh. And the writer of the Batgirl movie was the writer of Bumblebee and Birds oh. of Prey. Okay, so Bad Girl got scrapped, and Velma still exists. Yes. The show, but, not, not the character. I like but the show. They this are is just actually, fucking that oh, up. Sorry. This is part of why I'm actually kind of, I'm actually looking to the Ford of the Flash, is because Christina Hansen, who's a fucking fantastic screenwriter, who has not gotten enough clout, um, she is going to be writing the Flash. And I'm like, good. You're a very talented writer, and you and a bunch of people got fucked over on Batgirl. But yeah, so yeah. you would have had the directors of Miss Marvel and the writer of Bumblebee doing a Batgirl movie. There's no way it was as bad as they said it was. Well, well, no, because well, you see, it had it had a woman, and she wasn't white, so it clearly it they clearly it wasn't going to be good, right? That looks like a good oh. tax write-off. <laughs> ah, yes, the producers starring the, the execs at Warner Brothers. Starring John Perelman is everyone's favorite Nazi. So, speaking of things that um, that are tanking, um, should we move uh, on to Thor? Or, oh, yes! Um, oh, wait, 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 I forgot to tell you one more thing. One more thing, guys. One more thing, Jackie. Sorry. <laughs> I like the reference to Kamala's necklace and what it means. It hmm. means does it does it I think it means marvelous. So that's like a little nod to Miss Marvel. Oh. And I need to throw in one more thing. The ending. We've one totally more thing. One I mean, I can get away with that accent. <laughs> yes. Uh God, God, that show is awesome. Um. <laughs> oh yes. So the setup for 
um, the mutants. Because through because oh. of course we had the really my favorite honestly my favorite part of Doctor Strange, the first appearance of Xavier, and the fact that it's the '90s animated series universe version of Xavier, uh, despite the death of it all, was really cool. I love that they even brought in the like I said the original music or what's going to be called the X Men '97 theme, and the fact that we get to hear it again. As um, Miss Marvel is introduced as the first mainline mutant in the MCU. Eddie, to be honest, I let I were I rather have mutants than humans any day. That that makes up for the fact that makes it up. Mutants are just cool. I don't know. That's my opinion. But don't um, at me. I'm sorry. You know what? I I invite people to at me at this point. I just don't care. It's like the people who who will get mad at us are the people who don't really matter anyway. So there you go. Yeah. It's like all the people who, you know, say like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to go see the Marvels. Or, oh, I'm, you know, I'm glad I didn't waste time, you know, watching She-Hulk. It's like, you were never going to do it. Just shut the fuck up. Yep. They're not so, that special, dude, bro. But that, that does that does remind me, speaking of the Marvels, another thing that happens as a stinger is... Kamala gets swapped. Yes! Carol Danvers. Which How will Kamala get out of this one? It's kind of like a nod to, you know, the, the Captain Captain Marvel, uh, the, what, what what were they called again? The, the Nega Bands, I think they were, where Rick Jones was getting swapped with uh, Captain Marvel. Does that sound right, Ian? I, I have not read those comments. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, no, I gotta look it up. It's like, damn it, my my Ian Nerd Rock isn't working. Stupid Nerd Rock hit it again. Yep, it was <laughs> the Nega Bands. Boom. Gotcha. But yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Um, I mean, it could be that, or maybe, you know, Kamala is, you know, unlocking her shape shifting. We don't really know. We're gonna have to At wait first and I see. I thought it was that. Yeah. It's it's kind of up in the air right now, but I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see, you know, what what happens in in the Marvels, um, which I'm excited about because you know I want to see more of Photon because Photon's awesome. I know uh, Jen thinks this is actually an alternate reality variant of um, Carol Danvers, which is why she seems so confused, basically, and that we're not actually seeing the the mainline Carol Danvers in this at this point. Hmm. Is it because the hair is different? She's changing the hair like every five seconds. I like her hair. I like the mohawk. The, the mohawk is the best Carol Danvers look. I think it could have been more mohawky. Yes, more mohawky, less less mohawky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, then I thought she had a mohawk back in the comics. Slightly, but yeah, but I, the, but I think I think one of her many haircuts like looks. Reminds me of that one episode of Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, <laughs> where Leslie got that really bad haircut. Um, also, it's, it speaks like. Also, it kind of speaks to. Let me speak to the manager kind of stereotype. Yeah, but if there's one thing like, I'm I like glad about, that she grew that out. But I I like the fact that like Brie Larson and um you know Captain Marvel in general just like don't give a fuck about those. Uh, the neck beards. Yep. I just love that. Good um, for her. But 
I think maybe we're just trying to avoid Love and Thunder at this point. You know what? We will <laughs> we will talk on Love and Thunder briefly. I want to be the okay. one. Oh, podcast okay. Like I'll I'll pull with like Band-Aid right off. Thor: Love and Thunder sucks. This is a terrible movie. They've they my God they ruined the Jane Foster Thor. They ruined the Mighty Thor. You're, is wasting Natalie Portman's time. She should yes. be doing Star Wars stuff. Should she, though? I mean, we consider that Rise of Skywalker came out right before this. Um, oh, I meant, like, you know, voice acting stuff. Ah, yeah, that's fair. Or the, or the, um, or, and or in the recent series, you know, series. Not Obi-Wan. That was really disappointing. Um, but, um, yeah. Watch out, Ian. Those are fine. If this gets out, those are. People are coming after you with pitchforks. I don't care. You know this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because the Jane Foster Thor series by Jason Aaron is one of the best comic runs of all time. The whole Jason Aaron Thor run is amazing, but mm-hmm. the Mighty Thor series is the best part of it. And you have this whole, like, this whole new life that she lives. You have the death of this character that's tragic and takes years for it to happen. And you're there with her every part of the way. And in this, yeah, fuck all that. We're going to make j- wacky jokes around her cancer. And she's just going to die. Yeah, that, that sucks. And she's the mighty Thor for like 12 minutes. And it doesn't really make sense. And you know, it's a lot better than having like pathos screaming goats. So, so yeah, um, yeah, we can do without screaming. Oh, notes. and Tessa Thompson is a fucking goddess. So to see her yeah. role just get oh yeah, it was her time too. And Christian Bale, what the fuck? The it's, scenes he was in were fantastic. The the battle, the whole black and white battle sequence, that was so well done. And then it's like, oh, but we have to have the army of kids that have Thor powers that Thor gives them, even though we've never established this previously. Feels like, it feels like, meanwhile, in another movie. <laughs> Ah, oh, this movie is a dumpster fire. It feels fire. like you were watching another movie. That's what it feels like. The fact that critics did we did we that, all side with in a remote in the theater? Like, like yeah. when do we start, start watching this one one kids movie? When do we get to the movie? When do we get to the fireworks factory? Um, but seriously, although, although I think that nowadays kids movies are better now. Like, yeah. you know, like those kids, like. The kids gaining superpower kind of movies are getting better now, but this. What is the point? Going where back to the early th- Beyond Thunderdome, where it's like here's some children to help us out, Steven Spielberg. I I actually I think I identified. I made a post about this on my Facebook. I think as I I rewatched it recently, and I think I identified the part at which the movie. Where did the, the part of the movie that touched you? basically falls apart and i think it's really in the 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 new asgard like town hall scene i think that's when the movie falls apart um or rather you know i'm not gonna like be as like harsh as, as ian but i will say like it's definitely yeah i agree with the general sentiment of what what ian is saying you know gore should have been more serious um Jane Foster should have been around in store for a lot longer. Like, really, like, oh, the, heck yeah, I agree. The movie was just way too short, like, in general. Um, I believe it was like the shortest 
Thor movie um, in in general, and it really. I, I don't know, not sure why they made that that call to make it so short. And I could kind of see, you know, coming off of Ragnarok, why um, uh, Takai uh, Watiti would think that he would be capable of balancing so many of these, you know, uh, these plot points and making it all come together in a really cohesive and satisfying way. Because he did it with Ragnarok, you know, he basically combined, you know, some of the Planet Hulk stuff with. Um, you know, you know, Thor's his whole arc. I think like uh, going back to like Simons and stuff with like Hella, and it was a lot of crazy stuff that he did it and he pulled it off. And it was like, holy shit, how the fuck did he he do that? And it was really entertaining. So he's like, yeah, he could definitely do it again. Okay. He can maybe pull off, you know, Mighty Thor and Gore at the same time, right? He's got I am completely him. convinced that Taika Waititi was doing crack when he made this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he was, was just, probably... I think he was just busy. I think, he was definitely your, busy. <laughs> I mean, would you be, like, would you would, would your quality be, like, shit if you're that busy? I, I would. Really I mean, he made... This is the guy who made um, Eagle vs. Shark. This is the guy who made... who He worked on Flight of the Concords. He created what we do in the shadows. Uh, Hunt for the Wolf. Yeah, Killed your rabbit. One at a time, but you would know... Have you seen like he had a very busy couple of years, so things might fall on the wayside. And for, I mean, unfortunately, it's love and thunder. He gets he, he used all his he's used all his talent in um, the flag means death. Yeah, and what we do in the shadows, yes, the TV series. Yeah, and he gets so some you know some cool points for pulling Tessa Thompson, but. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, that's 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 not enough because, as somebody else who read Jason Aaron's like Mighty Thor run, this this is a a beautiful comic, like is wonderfully drawn and and and, and written. Uh, Jane Foster was just like really fleshed out, and that part of the reason why I'm not going to be. Um, you know, as harsh as Ian, even though overall, like I said, there it does kind of like fall apart as a film. Uh, I, I I still felt there were still some some strong performances, even though it ultimately turned out to be some kind of vehicle for Chris Hemsworth to get his daughter into movies and to just you know, make a really silly. That, that doesn't end well. Something that still resonated with me um, was, you know, uh, Natalie Portman's Jane Foster scenes and especially yeah. when she's going through uh, cancer because I, I did lose a friend of mine to cancer um, almost going on like six months now. So that stuff, you know, uh, that it was one of the movies that I think he, he was able to see like before he, he passed away. And initially, like when he was hearing some of the negative buzz about it, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't think it was as terrible, terrible shitty as like people are saying, but you know, I think you're just gonna have to see for yourself. And he was he was very much like on the fence about it and he was like, I don't know. And then he finally saw it and he's like, okay, that shit kind of hit me hard. Cause when you, you talk about um, you know, somebody, you know, wanting to to fight and somebody who wanted to, you know, make every every moment count, uh, he was definitely that type of person. And so to see like Natalie Portman portray that type of person as well was really powerful for him and i thought that you know even though it was extremely 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 short-lived um and we only got like the slightest taste of what it could have been uh i think now the portman still did a good job 
uh gore definitely should have been darker i didn't appreciate his whole like you know uh you know dark comedy type bits um but going back to the part where i said like i definitely i think i pinpointed the part where this movie falls apart and it's in the fucking town hall scene for new asgard when the kids have been kidnapped and it's time to get you know the plot moving and meanwhile thor is like dicking around with like a jealous stormbreaker and you got like the fucked up cgi from heimdall's kid um oh yeah that was bizarre you got uh, they tried to fix it and they made it worse yeah and that was really unnecessary like really he could have just been like a disembodied voice or something that speaks to the like work conditions that's going on with uh, special effects at marvel studios yeah and oh, we, yeah. we and, talked and about we, that a little bit last time too. Yeah, because Watiti was making fun of the effects work in the movie, not realizing what Marvel was doing in terms of cutting corners and overworking in terms of effects. Um, and he was on set mocking them, like like making jokes about them, and also saying oh. that they kind of that they have a basic plot structure, but then they just make a lot of stuff up for the movie that the actors want to do. And I'm like, that's not how you make the movie like this. Yeah, and um, you know, especially like for for a movie that was so short, and to see them kind of like unnecessarily draw it out a little bit bit by saying like, oh yeah, Stormbreaker, you know, could potentially take us directly to the bad guy right now, and skip a lot of bullshit, but we're not gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna take some we're gonna take the goats, so that way we can hear them scream. Uh, seventeen. Oh no, I I think that was an overplayed meme anyway. Why does anyone agree on that? I can tell you the moment the moment this movie was completely shit in the bed, and me and Jen stopped caring about it. Um, Bell God of Dumplings. <laughs> what? And, yeah. Um. Do you remember Bell God of Dumplings? The seven seconds. Oh, the... I thought that was that was. That wasn't too bad. If I would have had to pick like one, um, shit. What was the what was the name of the 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 fucking city of the gods? I forget what it was. But the I think the part was terrible. If I had to pick like one part of that, because I I could even maybe somewhat like get over, um, the silliness of Zeus a little bit, but they they should have killed off Korg. That was the complete like bullshit move to be like oh yeah like we we thought maybe he was gonna be dead but no he's he's not we get really enough that's from the comics it's It's, so it it was dumb in the comics and it's dumb here the insert a glass onion so dumb meme right here because that was really dumb oh you know what really hurts remember the the pixar short story the bow the one about the little um Oh. Yeah, I was like, "Huh." I started doing some research. I'm like, "Why is Bao the god of dumplings in this?" And then I'm like, "Oh, so you took that really awesome Oscar-winning short and made it into a dumb joke in the movie?" Did a bow? Did a bow hurt you? Did a bow hurt you? It's just—it's the moment this movie stopped giving a shit for me. There were a lot of uh, like moments that just didn't like live up to what they what they should have been. 
um and it was it was really disappointing like even for somebody who didn't completely a thousand percent hate it um this this movie was nowhere near as as it should have been uh, nowhere as, as good as it should have been like even uh the director said that you know he like in retrospect kind of wishes that ragnarok wasn't as good as it was just so that people would have lower expectations for love and thunder and that's that seems like a lame that, excuse yeah that that's like oh i'm sorry i did so good the first time that you know i i wasn't allowed to like phone this one in but um it, it's really like like really like that there were there were some good parts of it like seeing you know every time like valkyrie and uh jane foster interacting oh like, yeah they have really good, good. Yeah, they're great I was I, I really if I were to like, like change like tweak anything by like keep you know some of like the frame some of the the, the framework rather uh, and you know the same like runtime I would rather you know Valkyrie be you know trying to compete for Jane Foster's affections over yeah. you know seeing Thor trying to you know convince Stormbreaker that he's not cheating on him with that's a, I was expecting like that like be like a like bisexual love triangle <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah that that would have been you know, way more believable but i also. guess like when you get those conservative dollars i guess which is so funny because the eternals just think of it think of a shit yeah and that's one of the, but like, there, the oh that's the, but the, here's the thing that looking at that scene that can be easily cut for international for I think if, they, international they did cut it right they yeah did they did unfortunately it? i think they did yes because because if you look at it, none of the characters were there except those two, except that guy and that that dude kissing each other. It's like oh, and, okay. um, and that's and even when I was at the theater, I was like, they're gonna cut this. They're gonna cut this five seconds. Yeah, the just sad. So, sorry. Go ahead, Ian. I'm gonna touch Go on ahead. two things. This movie has a 63 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Eternals has a 47, and Ant-Man Quantumania has a 47. Ridiculous. Yeah. So this movie has better ratings than either of those two movies. Those would both have rotten ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. This technically has a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is like a blood of, blood of malarkey. It also has a fresh I believe it also has uh, over 50% of Metacritic, too. Yeah. Um, there is a scene that was cut out of this movie between Thor and Zeus, where they're talking about the hammer. They're talking about the the many women that Zeus has been with, and they talk about Zeus talks about his flaws, and it's a great little scene that they cut out of the movie. And you have dignity. You have actual dignity in a scene with Zeus in it and Thor, but they cut it out of the movie. I don't understand yeah. why. This movie definitely needed to see like more of uh, of the gods. Needed to see more, you know, god butchering. Um, it just it just made light of of too many parts that it should have been taken seriously. Like Thor seeing like a, a really wounded Sif, and he like makes a, a joke about like ah oh, no like you know you, you really need to die in battle in order to go to about how like right now you just kind of like die die and she's just like ah oh, shit and it's like a whole little like little gag and um they, I, don't, I don't know why they had to, they felt the need to like take everything to, there's, to that's that place. A, like there's not yeah there's too many jokes 
And the to- and it has a tone, and the tone is like way off. Ugh. I'm just going to say this right now. You guys disagree or agree. The reason all these things happen in this movie is because Taiki Waititi didn't care. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it didn't seem like he... He did, he let this one go off the rails, basically. Um, <laughs> and it's weird because you can tell, like like we were talking about, we see with like his other projects, especially like something that you might not necessarily... You wouldn't even expect for expected from him, like Jojo Rabbit. That movie, like, really knew how to, you know, balance the the humanity and to, you know, to balance the the tone of when to be, you know, lighthearted and joyful and when to just like rip your fucking heart out and how to manage the flow of that. Yeah. This just this didn't have the same care to it. Um, it, it maybe there might have been something behind the scenes where, you know, he just felt like he was going to get too much pressure from the execs to like hit a certain runtime or hit a certain number of like jokes per minute that he just decided to say like, fuck it. But, um, at the end of the day, I mean, his, his name is still on there. So he's gotta, gotta live with that. Um, the, the only other good, the only other good thing I will say like that came out of this movie is, I we we see it's clear from the stingers that this isn't the last that we're going to see of Jane Foster hopefully because anybody who does follow the comics and did get to see you know her whole uh, mighty thor arc knows that she does you know in fact like die in battle she she dies but she comes back as 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 Valkyrie and as Valkyrie you know she you know kind of performs those same duties where she's like ferrying you know souls to uh, the afterlife so my whole like fan theory is like she's gonna be kind of critical to like the fight against kang because you know she's gonna be that that's kind of gonna be like the hero's like retreat where they go and are able to you know strategize in a place where kang can't really touch him so that's that's my fan theory hopefully we see something like that just to make um Jane Foster come back because um, you know I I really like Natalie Portman and I'm glad that she got to you know have a little bit more um, a little bit more like meat to what she was working with because in the first couple movies she was kind of like especially in the first one like even though she's like like a scientist she's very much like oh like there's a god and she's like fawning over Thor like the whole time and not um, getting to use like her you know intellectual prowess as much. So I thought that at the very least, this got to let her do a little bit more with the character and be a little bit more, you know, useful for the plot. And they have, and also the, I like the like the post breakup relationship between Jane and Thor. It was like really the opposite of like their cute, their start, their their adorable chemistry in the What If series that. That one at one if episode, which yeah. is like, oh, they're so cute together. It got to actually show like the potential, you know, kind of just like a like the gradual, you know, dissolution of a of a relationship. And and really, I I can't remember like in in the comic if it was you know Jane kind of like getting away from Thor because of her you know uh, her diagnosis with with cancer, which you know by the way is another thing that they could have you know added to the story is like we do get to see like a little bit of snippet of how like jane foster's uh her mom died from cancer as well and so we only see that for like 
I, I want to say like 10 seconds or so that kind of like is something and like drives her on to, you know, to kind of like fight more and, you know, lights a fire under her. And that's something they definitely could have fleshed out more, just like uh, like Ian was talking about, the interaction between Thor and, and Zeus. There's just this movie just did not focus on the right stuff. Yeah, I, I I have said all I need to say on this movie. Um, there's the, one the movie came and went, and I completely went, forgot what happened. It was Valley Portman is awesome. Yes, it was technically yeah. a movie that came out. In yes, that's what it is. It's a it's a it's a it's a jumble of digital frames. If this happened. That wasn't, you know, celluloid. It moved. It moved the picture from one one scene to another. It has dialogue. It has credits. This is true. This is undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you say about this movie, you can't take away the fact that it was a movie. A movie, yes. Well, yeah. that's certainly a movie. Ian's the good favorite. thing, huh. the good thing is, but the thing well, is, but here's oh, the thing about like uh, Thor. It didn't take away like the fact it didn't like it didn't let down any like other like Mikey Thor cosplayers. People think, oh, I'm gonna dress up as Mikey Thor, and they see the movie, they think, oh no, I can't cosplay her. She's bad. Nope, it doesn't take away that. It's like people are people are gonna still cosplay as Mighty Thor because she is awesome. Yeah, she is. Yes. You, you, you know, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share two things before we wrap this up. I'm gonna pull up Zoom. This way, I like that Zoom. Um, because this is my summary of this movie. Seven second summary of this whole movie. Six seconds. <laughs> and um, here you go. I've set this up. Marge, I'm confused. Is this a happy ending or a sad ending? It's an ending. That's enough. <laughs> it's an ending. Yes, that's what it is. It's an ending. Uh, oh yeah, that ending. That that. Okay, I I yeah. Locked. Thor that's... has a kid who has like cosmic powers, and she likes to draw on his hammers. So it's a happy ending because her dad's dead. Ooh. Isn't it like like in those memes like is it like one of those memes like oh no my my children are dead oh no my my parents are dead oh let's adopt each other I think I saw that like one of those Batman Scarlet Wish memes it was both yeah I'm I'm gonna be putting I'm not gonna play it on on here because it's like two minutes long but I'm going to be posting the deleted scene that I was referring to in our chat and in the scheduling chat so you guys can see it because I, I need to hear well, I'm not here but I need to read your opinions of this afterwards. I think I, I think I saw that one before and I, I remember thinking like why the fuck did they cut this but um I think we should move on I this is depressing me yeah so let's, that, let's 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 wrap part two of Marvel phase four the so far in my opinion the one genuine clunker of phase four. Because you, you gotta realize not everything's a winner, which is which you know it's humbling. 
Well, yeah, that's why Incredible Hulk exists. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy one. Volume Two. Boom. Oh, Jesus Christ! See, we we can get we can get a fight on that one. I actually think it's decent, not terrible. It's just decent. Um, well, I have some. Oh. I have, well, I it's not in a in a more personal way. So, but that's neither here or there. Well, this technically was a worse Guardians of the Galaxy movie than Part Two. Um, because <laughs> apparently Endgame was like, hey, we're going to get this cool thing where Thor goes off with the Guardians, and it's going to be awesome and cool. It's five, the biggest crossover later, movie ever. Five seconds later, bye guys, go do your thing in your movie that will come out, bye. With that, um, what's his face? You know, it was called Avengers. It was called Avengers, not, not Guardians of the Galaxy. So, No, but I'm talking about the but, fact but, that Endgame but, teased the Guardians well, it'll be like so cool if it's just Guardians of the Galaxy featuring Thor. It'll be like one of those albums. I've been a whole lot better. Like those bands, like we're the we're the Peter Cole experience featuring Thor Odinson. Well, yes. the good thing is Volume Three looks like it's going to be pretty good. Um, and fun. it looks like part of the reason why that's going to be is like we're, we get to see like a, a shift in, in focus away from um, you know. Star Lord's, you know, parental Pratt, issues, Pratt. which was, uh, you know, why I say like I didn't like Volume Two as as much because like you, like really, we need to go back to Peter's bullshit. Um, I thought that was totally necessary. I, I always like to call. But it's it, funny because like, there's like a children's story where about yeah. about uh about uh Star Lord's backstory, like oh. Peter's mom fell in love with an alien, but something, but he has to go somewhere, fight off a war. And then she got Peter. This is, like, this is one of those golden book stories, by the way. Yeah, my, my favorite part. Or uh, meat into that backstory. I like, the, I like the alternate version of Chris Pratt from, from I mean, uh, sorry, I keep calling him Chris Pratt because that's all he plays. Um, me, the alternate version of Star Lord from What If, where he just just basically just destroyed the world by being a jackass. I mean, so he's not like Nelson's Story of Story of Worlds. Yep, jackass Story of Worlds. Um. By the way, for anyone who came out on this, and and we we ended on a downer. I ended with fueling rage fire. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but one of my, what I consider the most creative of the MCU so far is going to be in Marvel Phase 4 Part 3. And I'm really looking forward. Return to of the of the Happy Eden. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to Part 3. This is going to be a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys. I think Rocket's going to die. No. Oh, don't say that. He's squishy. <laughs> He's furry. He's squishy and furry. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one of those furries. But like, you know, like a fuzzy animal. But um. Hey, some some of those some of those furries are nice. Oh, I completely not- agree. Yeah. By the way, that's that's the thing that pisses me off. Um, a little aside for another day about the hypersexualization of a fandom that basically makes them all look bad. Because some people don't get it and are assholes. Weirdly enough, a lot of them are on YouTube and Reddit. Uh, yeah. 
By the way, yeah. Furries, furries, you guys are cool. One of the one of the best cosplayers I've seen was a furry. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, Sandra. Because they were part of the they were part of the Arizona Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone who has a problem with that shit, well just, just fuck off. No no one likes you. Ian is very oh yeah, and I know like talking some, about some great comic artists are furries too. Yeah, and, and they're like so and the um, so so next so next time we're gonna talk about Wakanda forever and what else? Well, we're gonna be talking about She Hulk Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, which is ah, honestly, single female lawyer. I love yes. her. Single female lawyer having lots of sex. Um, See, I know I can turn that front upside down from a far um, distance. Yes, Werewolf by Night probably my like my most personally affecting and interesting parts of the MCU for me, especially since oh, yeah, it has all it, horror movies. It has a man thing and his love for sushi. Yes, and um, I'm, go- he I'm wants going. He sushi. I'm actually going to be reaching out to somebody who's tied into um, that particular special, and hopefully, 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 we can get him on. Hopefully, um, he was a—I'm not going to name this person—but he worked on special effects. He worked on the Star Trek movies. He's worked on a ton of things. And if anybody remembers the punk rocker guy on the bus from Star Trek Four, the one where they went to San Francisco, then they know who he is. Oh, that was a good one. And they saw him in this movie. And I'm going to try to make that happen. Because he actually is responsible for a lot of the effects work in, in Werewolf by Night. Including Man-Thing. And we and, will see if we can get through talking about Werewolf by Night without chuckling every time we say Man-Thing. <laughs> giant size Man-Thing. <laughs> oh, one. I'm supposed to be a lady. A very mature lady. We are not mature. We're on circuit 42. You know that. Um, the uh, and I work with children and who's who's giggled at the strangest things. He <laughs> puts. Um, I still find the that's word. Why, that's why I never. Oh, and um, of course, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, one of my personal favorites from the MCU, and the yes, Guardians and, of the Galaxy. Uh, by, and uh, oh yeah, by the time by the time recording this. You'll see lots of Twitter Twitter uh, threads that says Angela Bassett got robbed at the Oscars. What the shit? Oh, you didn't know? Well, that's for another day. Let's talk about <laughs> that next time. We were trying to not piss off Ian. We were trying to end with non-angry Ian, and now We've got no, no, I'm proud of no, no, we're talking about next time. We're gonna run uh, positive (laughs) notes, okay? But you know what? I will say this the person who won, still very talented, still a very good performance. Oh, oh, yeah, it's it's still well earned, it's just that people will get still, still earned. Don't get me wrong, but Angela Bassett is a she's a goddess. And she uh, shall never be defeated. She is perf- she is perfection in the can. I yeah yeah she was she was robbed. Sorry. Yeah. But we'll talk about that. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. 
All right. All right, Ian, take us out. So with that, this has been the newest episode of Circuit 42. But before we get everything wrapped up, where can people find you on this violent, angry, nerdy swarm called social media? Yes. Uh, okay. You can find me at Sandra Soapbox at Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and this new single thing that you youngsters call TikTok. A TikTok. A TikTok with you, you kids and your TikToks and your and your and your bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> and your hula hoops and your slip and slides. What was, what was that terrible hula hoop thing that never worked? The, the, that was like supposed to be like the one that went on your foot and it was just garbage. Oh, the skip it. Yes, yeah, skip it I thought garbage. it was the coolest thing ever. And then I realized this is hard. Let's go this to the swings. function. Let's go have fun. I oh had my goodness. You had to do a sport? No, thank you. Of course you did, Michael. Speaking of Michael and your skip it, where can people find you on social media? Oh, uh, pretty much just on Instagram at uh, four ducks pile in a man suit. And uh, every day I am inching closer and closer to showing my taint on OnlyFans. So uh, stay tuned. Hashtag taint. And um, people can find me if you really want to. I don't know why you'd want to. On uh, Facebook and Instagram under the creatively named Ian McIntosh. I was on Twitter, but due to the musk of it all, I've chosen to Ugh, no longer be on Twitter. And you must smell. Oh, yeah. That must smells like shit. Um. And for those who want to listen to Circuit 42, once again, I'm not sure why you'd want to, but appreciate it anyway. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes under the clearly named Circuit 42. And with that, thank you once again, Michael, Sandra. Thank you all for being part of this podcast. Thank you for listening to my ranting. Thank you for being a part of my ranting. especially Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. And um, with that, thank you everyone for listening and have a great night.